37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. It's one of those zippity doodah days today so we're opening up the naughty vault as we review a controversial classic 1946's Song of the South. I'm Br'er Chris Fletcher. I'm Br'er Lucy. We're gonna tell on you. I'm Br'er Hugh. So, um, as with the animated classics, we're going to score this one in terms of the story, animation and music. But this week, instead of the kids, we're joined by the magic of technology by our friend and neighbour, Susie. Yeah, she lives at 39 Disney Street. It's true, she just moved in last week. Uh, So, do you want to give us a bit of information about uh, Song of the South? Yeah, this uh, was released in 1946. um, So, it's a post-war movie. Uh, There had been near bankrupt during the war for various different reasons, not being able to sell in the European market. They spent a lot of time doing their public service announcements, films commissioned by the government from which they couldn't really profit. Um, And so they really needed some wins in this time. Um, Walt Disney had listened to the um, Uncle Remus stories by Joel Chandler Harris. As a child, he loved them and he'd always wanted to do something animated to adapt them. And he started negotiating for the rights back in 1939. Um, When it came to it, live action was actually cheaper. That's one of the main reasons Mm. per minute than animating the whole thing. So the decision to sort of take some of the key stories and then animate them together using live action was the main inspiration behind uh, adding the actual Uncle Remus character himself. It, as I think you've already touched on, became massively controversial both at the time and in subsequent years because of the race element, which I think we, it's it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? We need yeah. to get that, that discussion out of the way before we discuss the film itself, I think. Brer elephant. Prayer <laughs> mm. elephant. Well, yeah. What what was your expectation going into this? Honestly, I was expecting it to be horrendous. Um, it's been locked away forever. It's never had a release in the US, uh, a, a home release in the US, um, and uh, it's incredibly racist. So I was expecting it to be just unbearably bad. Can I be clear with that? It was never banned. A lot of people say it was a banned film. It wasn't. It's the Disney Corporation have chosen never to do a, just not to ignore it. They, they but, haven't owned it. That, that, this, it. This is my frustration with the whole situation, to be honest. Mm, it wasn't banned by the government or by the censors or by the distributors or anything like that. It's the Walt Disney Corporation themselves that have cho- chosen to yeah, hide the, it. The, the decision on the way to deal with the controversy of of the subject matter is to lock it away so nobody can see it. Yeah, and when the streaming service comes into effect, uh, is it later this year? Yeah. yeah. They say everything they've done will be available to watch. I bet this isn't. No, this won't be. And also, the crows in Dumbo have been cut from Dumbo, which oh, now makes dear. Dumbo 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you asked 
what our expectation was. I I honestly expected to watch it through my fingers. I thought it was going to be insulting. I expected it to be aggressive and mean. And that kind of I I'm a I'm a liberal at heart and that kind of subject matter I just I didn't want to watch it. If I'm really honest, I didn't want to watch it. The reality of it is totally totally different from that. I uh, sort of nervously approached it. You know, we we we've got hold of this copy, pirate. This sort of dodgy copy of it, um, and I was kind of a little bit excited and nervous because I didn't know what to expect. Same. But I went in with a totally open mind. It's it's gentle. It, it it's gentle. But herein lies the racism. For anyone who hasn't seen it and needs this clarifying, um. It is just after the Civil War, so it's the Reconstruction era. It's not during slavery, but that is not made clear in the film. So you're watching black people working on a plantation and white plantation owners. And the presentation in the film is that the black slaves wander in and out of the white people's houses, that the white people respect and honour them. The, uh, The black... We'll call them slaves. I realise they're not. But the black slaves are living in clover in the field, singing songs and smiling. And they're quite clean. They're quite happy. Having a hell of a time. Having a hell of a time. They are uh, respected and valued by their um, the, the plantation owners. And everyone rubs along together really, really nicely. Therein lies the problem. That's it. Everyone seems to be very happy with the situation. And it's just an over glorified version of the past it, yeah it feels like it's just brushed everything under the carpet um, do you know what it's wonderful being, being in the deep south and we sing because we're, we're happy and jolly um, when the reality um, as, as documented quite often is uh, that people sang to get through the day to, yeah. it, it was a coping mechanism and not, and not because they were jolly and happy all the time and, and I can understand especially with it being a children's film, because exactly the same issues were um, pointed at Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. Um, But with this being a children's film, you're educating children about their own history, American children about their history, and this is misleading. I tried to work out in my brain what what was so offensive about it, and then I thought, it's if Germany released a children's film in where the... The Nazis were like the uh, prison guards out of porridge. Do you know what I mean? It's it's that kind of thing, and, and that the Jews were sort of living in a Butlin-style holiday camp instead of Auschwitz. It, it's it's that kind of racism. Yeah. Wasn't there a problem with uh, an American school textbook recently where they changed the history and they, they were kind of saying, you know, the friendly Native Americans sort of helped us settle in. Oh, this, oh they, this is a huge subject because I think it's the, the Daughters of the Revolution, I think they're called. Um, in in the, I'm sorry, we've got American listeners who know a lot more about this than me, but there's there's been organisations that have been doctoring uh, school textbooks for years in, with relation to this kind of thing. But this, I feel, I, I feel really sad for the Disney Corporation and Walt Disney because I don't think it was done maliciously or even knowingly, I think I don't think people want to admit how bad it was. And when they're making a film for children, they don't want 
They don't want to have to face it, do they? I, I think the problem for me is that, that um, and, and I should just qualify here, I am a, a middle-aged, white, privileged guy. From was, Britain. I thought, and, I thought and I so to say a woman at the end of that. Yeah. 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 So, so to talk about this is... is I come from a place of complete ignorance here. Oh, ditto. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not American either, so I have no real understanding of having lived through any of this uh, or any kind of race issues like like this in present time either. Or the inherited guilt of it. Yeah, and all I can go mm. off is is things that I've read about Song of the South over the last couple of months as I've, as I've kind of got to to understand more about it. But to me, what what seems wrong is that that. By choosing to do these stories, that's fine. I mean, that that's classic Walt Disney. You know, he did it with Mary Poppins. He went, I really like these stories. I want to turn them into a film. I'll get the rights and I'll do that. But the decision to to perpetuate the myth that um, well, the Deep South was a wonderful place to be and that slavery, like almost like like treating it like slavery never happened, um, it just feels wrong. That 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 decision is where everything went wrong here, and then. They've compounded that by locking it away and saying, "Let's just ignore it forever." If they were to admission have, of guilt, well, exactly. If if they'd have thought, uh, God, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, this is this is a, a piece of of history now. This this uh, film it shows things not in the correct light. So let's do something about that. We could um, put some positioning at the start of the film. We could put a documentary. Um, alongside it to to give some context to why it's the way that it is. Um, even um, Whoopi Goldberg, I believe, said something about this. And, yeah, when she became a legend. Yeah, and basically said, you know, I, I film me. I will talk about this film and, and its place in history mm. and, and position it so that people can watch it but understand the situation at that time. Michael Eisner um, did discuss why he wasn't releasing it for... Um, and he was at the birth of the home video release, really, Michael Eisner. And he said he didn't he didn't want to pay for uh, disclaimer material. Now, I don't... That's all I've read. I don't know what that means. But when he was asked about it, he said he didn't want to pay for disclaimer material. I don't think for the Walt Disney Company that can be a financial thing. What mm. it must mean is that he doesn't want to produce disclaimer material because that's a very negative... It's a very negative artefact, a disclaimer film, isn't it? But Warner Brothers have done it with their cartoons. Have you know, they? they, they with, with cartoons that uh, have... Um, uh, potentially offensive material in them, things that maybe don't show people in the right light, things that are considered racist. Lil Sambo. They, they have a, a a screen that comes up before the cartoon to explain mm. a bit more about the context. Mm. But it's this, just it just it's, it doesn't make it right. It just it just this is why makes we need um, historical, I suppose. Do you remember Stay Tuned with Tony Robinson? Stay Tuned. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? It, yeah. Yeah. He showed clips <clears throat> of old cartoons, um, but then he would show something like Lil Sambo. Uh, with a disclaimer, you know, that it's a shame uh, that we can't watch this anymore because of the, the animation and the effort that went into it. But, you know, for obvious reasons, we can't. But in that context, they could show it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during the script development, the phrases Massa uh, for the plantation owners and Darkie were removed from the script for this very reason. I mean... Walt read it and was and he felt very uncomfortable about it. So they did actually self-edit. And and there's that there's the argument that actually that would have been gave, worse. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, of course it would have been worse. But there's there's the argument that you know the 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 performers and everything that they put into that film that we're trying to give a, a good representation. I just think 
the approach was maybe a bit misguided. Maybe the timing was was wrong to a certain extent as well. It's, the whole thing surrounding uh, James Basket, who plays Uncle Remus, it, it's very um, to and fro. I mean, what side are we on? Because he's been deeply criticised for accepting such a demeaning role. Um, and yet he was the first black uh, black male actor to receive an Academy Award and he was mm. universally acclaimed for it. Now... He couldn't he, go to the awards though, could he? No. Because mm. he couldn't get a hotel room. Um, <clears throat> but they say it was a demeaning role and yet at the same time he broke ground for his race, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I, you know, it's it's so difficult, and yeah, there's the fact that he couldn't go to the Academy Awards and that he couldn't go to the screening, the, the initial screening, and also he was given an honorary Academy Award. Now I had to look into this. I thought, what is this? It's given for an achievement for which there is no category. That is the definition. Well, there is a category for leading male actor. Mm. But obviously, in 1946, they didn't feel they could give that to him, so they had to give him an honorary one, which in itself is an insult to not actually give him the real one. It's all... It's it's very back and forth. But we have to remember, this is 17 years before the March on Washington. Um, That's huge. Do you know what I mean? That's a long time ago. That's so far from... The the world that we now live in. There's another piece in this as well which doesn't sit comfortable with me, which is that um, the writer of the stories, you have the name, don't you? Um, Joel Chandler Harris. Joel Chandler Harris allegedly uh, took these stories from his black slave who used to tell them. Um, and that in itself is a bit uncomfortable, isn't it not? <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. Was it? I don't know about this. Was he yeah, credited? This, is that widely not, known? Not credited, I don't believe. But from what I understand... These were stories that his slave used to tell, and he wrote the stories based on the stories that this. But I'm presuming the slave was illiterate because he was denied education. Right. So he he wouldn't have been able to write and publish them himself. Can I just say, when all said and done, having said all this, we all really enjoyed it, didn't we? I did enjoy the film. <laughs> there is guiltily or not, we really enjoyed the story of Johnny and Uncle Remus. Right, shall we get into it then? Let's, shall we yeah. say we've gone away f- because I only feel I can talk about the film if we get rid of that elephant. So from now on, we we don't talk about whether it's appropriate. We just talk about it as if it's a can, film about can we, people. Can we just on one occasion when we talk about tar babies talk about whether it's appropriate? Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but for now, can I just um, I'm just going to shoo the elephant. Come on. Come on. Out you go. That's it. Right, so, story. Are you going to start us off then, Hugh? No. (laughs) Go on then, right. So what have I got? So the basic story is a family are going to... I don't know what it is. Mum and Dad are going through a bit of a breakup, aren't they? And uh, so Mum and... uh, Well, Dad drives Mum and Child up to Grandma's house. Grandma's house. And they uh, are going to spend a bit of time there while he goes back to the city. Um, Yeah, it's not a breakup though, is it? It's just a work thing. Although the is way it? the way he's looking at <laughs> her living in, separately, the yeah. way he's looking at her in the uh, the car, he's just got an angry face on his daddy the whole time. They were married, weren't they? Yeah, those two was that, uh, and they they got divorced soon after. They <laughs> did two years later, yeah. And there's a look in his eyes, like he's just as she's talking, he's just thinking, "Oh, shut up." <laughs> yeah. So it's basically about 
about Bobby Driscoll trying to find his his uh, feet as a child with parents who are splitting up and with no father uh, figure with no father figure and in and uh, goes through some stuff and um, learns lessons along the way through Uncle Remus and his. Uh, not major stuff, just childish stuff. Some fights, oh, yeah, the some basics, local boys. Um, and so he, he stumbles on Uncle Remus, who teaches him everything he needs to know about life through parables, really, about uh, Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear. Yeah. I thought it was charming. Me too. I I, I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, if I'm honest. When I took the elephant out of the room, I found... Um, I thought it was really well acted as well. Very, very well acted. Oh, well, let's, yeah, let's just say, um, I mean, the standout performance. James Baskett. Th- there are a couple. I mean, I, th- I think Johnny's brilliant, the, 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 young, the young lad. He's, yeah. he's just mm. fantastic. He really holds his own. But, oh, Uncle Remus, what a what a beautiful performance, mm. isn't it? Mm. And he's such a good actor as well. There's, there's, little, there's little things he does, like um, signs of a good actor, is when he's interrupted by somebody... He just, he carries on talking just a little bit over the, you know, underneath. And he just does it so beautifully. And he's just got all these little finesses and touches to him. And I just, you watch him and it's quite a captivating performance. Yeah, it's thoroughly captivating. You, you can't watch him without a smile on your face, I don't think. He's when, just, yeah. when Walt Disney was um, pitching for him to get a, an Academy Award, he said, uh, and he works almost without direction. Which, you know, if that's true, he really is a talented actor because he was just so instinctive in everything. He, just every little mannerism, every quirk, he was he was a joy to watch. And I want if an Walt's Uncle Remus. saying that, he must have had a hell of a lot of faith in him. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I want an Uncle Remus. I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. I like the uh, the little touches, though, the way he, uh, you know, the character, the way he convinces Johnny not to run away by playing along with it. I love it because you can see the twinkle in his eye when he's like, yeah. "All right then, <laughs> let, let, let me uh, let me take take your position. I'll assume your position, and I will do what you're doing." Uh, with a little twinkle in his eye, and then kind of flows into a story. And even when Johnny decides he's not going to run away, he says he's like, "Oh, I, I don't think it's a good idea if we run away." And Uncle Remus says, "Well, um, oh, you know, I was I was looking forward to running away." Yeah, and you know he just he just keeps on with it that little extra way just to, just to seal the deal, and it's uh, it's a good parenting technique I think that mm. we could yeah. all learn a lesson. Maybe we should try that. And then the baddies come along, who are of course two, uh, I suppose white trash would be the um, word. White trash. White just trash wantonly kids. evil bully boys, yeah. but uh, it's because of their upbringing, you know. The, the Yule brothers. I don't know because like... the mums seem quite nice. <laughs> she does she's actually. To the yeah. Daughter. Yeah, maybe they are just wantonly evil. Yeah, but they kind of represent. Um, Brer Fox and um, Brer Bear. The do, because one of them's big and a bit dumber than the other one. Yeah, the other yeah. one. He's most like the bear, the, mm. the fox and the kid. But yeah, so we've got the these all this live action stuff going on, and then when Johnny goes to see Uncle Remus, we have these cutaways to the animated sections of with the the adventures of Brer Rabbit. And then at the end, the real at the end when the when they're walking away, they're actually really there. And, oh. Well, now you're just jumping way ahead. I know, but still, yeah. I just I, good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know which bit like tore my heart out and that's when they push the little girl in a new dress Me and a too. new hair oh, down yeah. into the mud but do you think it's funny when they go, they're on the way to Johnny's party and she's got a new dress on and they're talking about it on the way and she says it's new it was mother's wedding dress is that Luana? <laughs> yeah oh we like Luana yeah. 
these two children were the first artists to be uh, put on the books at Disney and, and given contracts yeah. under but, the old studio system. But Bobby's Peter Pan, isn't he? He's all sorts of things, yeah. is Bobby. Yeah. And then he, he grew up and got sad and couldn't deal with the child star thing and killed himself mm. at 33. Really? Mm. Yeah. Who did? Bobby, Bobby Driscoll. Driscoll. He was like the original child, he was the original child star gone wrong. It's sad, isn't it? And mm. Think of the support that people have now and these things still happen. But... Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a blueprint for him at the time, was there? No. That this is how you cope with this kind of fame. No. Anyway. Yes. So, yeah, that, that was heartbreaking. And then the being chased by the bull. Yeah, when he gets duffed. Oh, that's horrific. It's scary, isn't He gets it? duffed up by a bull in the third act. You know it's coming, though. You know it's coming. Yes. They've, they've mentioned it before. They they've hint it. it. Well, that's good storytelling because yeah. uh, something like Dumbo before suffered from things like this. But, you know, they have callbacks in this. They, yeah. they set this up. Um, Bambi, as well, suffered from that. They just introduced trauma later on. Mm. Um, but... They introduce the bull early on enough so that when it happens, you know, it's, it kind of all makes sense and ties up nicely. Yeah. It's another one of those wonderful film things where they, we're all saying how horrific it was, but they didn't show us anything. They showed a boy no. running. They showed a bull running. They didn't even show the boy and the bull in the same shot, I don't think. And then they showed a mother scream. How, That's do, we all know, how do we know that the bull and the boy are not the same then? Mm. Interesting. Like the, like, These are like, philosophical um, questions we have the, to deal the, with. The cat in the box. Yeah, or Schrodinger's, <laughs> Schrodinger's, cat. Schrodinger's bull. He's a bull and he's a... When you can't see him, he's a bull and he's a Bobby Driscoll. Schrodinger's Bobby Driscoll. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of build-up to the Br'er Bear... Um, sorry, the Br'er Rabbit story. Uh, we keep hearing about Br'er Rabbit and the mention of him and, you know, it takes a while to get to that first one. It does, and even when we cross over to the animation that time, we've got the whole uh, zippy-de-doo-dah... Bit oh, before we get into that as there's well. A, there's a bit that makes me and Lucy laugh. We've watched it a couple of times and we both really find this funny. And it's how quickly he goes from talking into the song. Yeah. So he, he literally go, it happened on one of those zippity doo da days. Now that's the kind of day when you can't open your mouth without a song coming out. zippity doo da zippity <laughs> Oh God, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I'm going to make that my re- ringtone complete with the talking before it's just yeah. amazing but i i think there's a lot more brer rabbit brer fox brer bear than there is there's only three yeah there's just three bits yeah did you know three tales of morality and they're quite sharp really did you know that he uh he did the voice of brer fox fox yeah james Baskin. Uh-huh. and apparently did, yeah. he also did brer rabbit in one of the scenes interesting he auditioned for, um, all he did was audition for one of the animals. I think he auditioned for a bird. Um, and Walt Disney just really liked him. Now, there's been, over the years, for various reasons, there's been a lot of things thrown at um, Walt, like racism, anti-Semitism, etc., etc. But, I mean, he took this guy under his wing, made him his friend and courted him around Hollywood without... About of an eyelid, really. Yeah. Having said that, he did choose to have the premiere in Atlanta, and he could have had it in California, when I think he would have been able to attend. Mm. But yeah, so it it was it was Walt Disney who heard him, and said, "That's my Uncle Remus." That's like um, in the producers when someone shouts, "That's our Hitler!" That's our Hitler. <laughs> How old do you think James Baskett is? Oh, no, one of these. 
Is he about 26? God, I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, uh, hang on. Looking... Now, the fact that you're saying that. I'm looking at a picture of him. I'm going to say 39. No, I would say, like, about 50. How old are you, Chris? 40. How old are you, Hugh? 38. He's 42. Wow. Okay. Okay. I think he looks 58. He looks about 60, doesn't he? Yeah. Have they graded him up or is that just how he is? I don't know. But he was diabetic and he died two years after filming this from um, heart failure uh, associated with diabetes, which devastated me. Just full of pain, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Any more on the story? Well, there's just lots of little bits, isn't there? I mean, it's really... We haven't really talked about the cartoon stories, actually, at all, have we? Not at all, no. So we've got these morality tales in the middle. Um, they're not They're not that clear, are they, really? Is uh, They're not that memorable. I don't think the morality... They're more like tips for hacking your way through that. Life hacks. Hmm. That's what they are. The ha- life hacks. Hacking your way through a brer patch. Because a lot of it is sort of hustling. Like that thing at the beginning where he gets brer bear to take his, his place... In the rabbit trap, saying that he's getting paid a dollar a day, yeah, and all that—it's hustling. It's not morality yeah, at and all. They, it's and hustling. there's a bit where um, he convinces them to let him go. It's, it, Throw me into I the briar patch. Yeah, I don't believe this. He, he says, uh, "You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skin you," and he really, he's, he really bears it. I'm gonna skin you, and he says, uh, and he gulps, but then he says, "No, no, go on, go ahead, skin me. Just don't throw me in that briar patch. You know, I'm gonna hang you." Oh, fine, hang me. Just don't throw me in that briar patch. But, but mm. you know, <laughs> like. I don't care how stupid this fox is. He wouldn't chuck him away, would he? Doesn't he want to eat him? Yeah. Well, is he going to chuck him into the brer patch and then go in and get him? Is that the idea? It doesn't really work. No, because it's all all thorns and stuff, so he's going to be impaled on the thorns. I think that's the thinking behind it. But because... It doesn't quite work for me. But brer rabbit has lived all his life in... in, Yeah, and that's how he gets away. Yeah, exactly. For me, all of those things feel like if... Um, Wiley Coyote had had a couple of friends. The kind of conversations he would have had trying to catch Roadrunner, yeah, because all of the all of those bits felt like dialogue based, very similar kind of mm-hmm. set pieces to that to me. There's a, a little love triangle, I believe, going on between Uncle Remus, grandmother, and Aunt Tempe. Don't you think? There's a little twinkle in the eye of Remus and grandmother when they're together. But also when he comes round and she's and she's, she's cooking, she's oh, baking. I love that bit. That yeah. song she sings, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's just well, so we'll probably beautiful. Probably save music for later, but yeah, yeah, he comes in and he, you know, he's complimenting her on her food, and you know, she she knows it's all just an act to get something to eat, and you know, it's all very chucklesome. I think yeah. oh, I, I, it's such a warm relationship. You, you just know that the people who've worked in close proximity for forty years, they know each other inside out. Nothing needs saying. Um, I don't want to believe there is a love triangle, Hugh, because I just think that that dampens it a bit, that kind of camaraderie. I think it's just a bit of a flirt. I don't think there's any... Yeah. There's nothing sexual. Do I think it's strange how much he talks about Br'er Rabbit, though? It's constant. (laughs) To the point where it's a little bit weird. Not only that, um, everyone says, have you met him? Because he tells stories about Br'er Rabbit. (laughs) That's how they introduce him. And when he walks out, when they go out, um, the first time he meets him, and, and like all all the people are out there in, in the like in the clearing, all singing along, singing about Brer Rabbit, aren't they? <laughs> it's like a weird cult, isn't it? It's really strange. But can you imagine him like um, 
someone knocking on the door and saying, you haven't paid your council tax in three months. And he says, oh, well, that reminds me of the time that Brer Rabbit, you owe us 400 quid. <laughs> so let's talk about Tar Baby then. Uh, well, do you know what Tar Baby means? Or should we go back? back right. Explain what it is, shall it's we? It's a baby made out of tar. They make a baby out of tar in the animated section. and they to put try a, and trick. Put a hat on him and he's got a cork for a nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially a little black baby. And mm-hmm. the idea is that he'll see him in distress and try and save him and get his hands stuck in and stuff so he can't move. Which but is what happens? Are we applying sort of racist connotations onto it? Because, I mean, it just, it just happens to be made of tar, so it's black. Is it us that are... You know, interpreting this as a racist thing, or is it just an innocent thing? Is it just a baby constructed of tar? It's going to be yeah. black, isn't it? I've been chasing my tail on that thought process all week. It's like it, you know, people go, "Oh, it's, it's you that sees the blackness there. It's just made of tar." Um, I think just a single glance at it would make you go, "Oh, that's and it, and that's it does. the kind of it thing does, yeah. I was expecting for the whole film, actually. That's the only example of that kind of cringy. Mm. I mean, to go back, if this is if this is a story that was written by somebody based on stories that one of that that one of their black slaves was telling, yeah. then as a if, if that's part of that story, then that probably was there to represent mm. a black baby within that community within those those people. Yeah, but it's kind of been removed twice to get to the place where it is, yeah. which is the the strange thing about it. And and if you didn't want to have those connotations, like in this day and age, you could quite easily tell that story slightly differently and change it around to make it something acceptable. Do you know what Tar Baby means? No. Thank you very much, baby. <laughs> no, that's Cheers Baby. Oh, uh, a, tar, a, no, a Tar Baby uh, is a difficult problem that is only aggravated by attempts to solve it. So it's a thing, like something can be called a Tar Baby. Like, ah. like a company that's failing could be called a Tar Baby. Where does that come from? I don't know. You see, that might... <laughs> you're talking chicken and the egg here. That might be a modern phrase that sprung out of Uncle Remus' stories, might it? Interesting. I, yeah, I didn't go that far into it. I just uh, Googled it and got the top result. Um... But, yeah, so, um, literally speaking, when Br'er Rabbit is in the tar, every time he tries to move to get out, he gets more tar on him, as you would. Right, do you know what? Let's move on to art and animation. Obviously, some of this is live action. So, if we look at it from a cinematography point of view as well, what do you think? Um, It might well be that it's cheaper to, uh, to film than it is to animate. Um, but I think shot for shot, it's done beautifully well. I really do, um, and, and I love I love the way that it that it transcends from live action. Certainly, the first time when it goes from live action to to animation, it it, it looks amazing. It just kind of happens. It it, it flows yeah. really nicely. There was a technique they used where they were struggling to work out the, the transition, so they put card. Is this right? They put cardboard behind him, and he was against a blue sky. So. They just pulled it away and it looked like he was in a, a like an animated background, but it was just against the blue sky. Yeah. It's Yeah, we heard this on some, was it some extra features? Oh, it was a YouTube video we yeah. watched. We, won't, we won't say who it was because it was an awful video. Yeah. It's just someone reading out. <laughs> Unless you were listening to it, of course, in which case it, it was wonderful. Mm, yeah. But I actually went and found the chapter in Walt, Walt's biography about this today to do some background reading. What they actually did was they couldn't get the lighting right because they were going from an internal scene into an animated yeah, scene. Yeah. So they actually put cardboard in front of the lights 
And at the moment he said zip, they removed the cardboard from the lights. The lights suddenly flared, uh, flared as it were. Um, now, th- this kind of a problem seems so simple in the year 2019, but you had to do everything manually in those mm. days, didn't you? You had to get the lighting just right. And it is seamless. It's fantastic. It, 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 I, I, uh, it made me sit up and pay attention at that point in the film. That first transition because it just it the way works he interacts so well. with the bluebird on his shoulder and it's flying around its head, isn't it? And it's sort of playing hide and seek behind his shoulders. It's just so it it's as good as any interactive live action animation that you would see today. I'm including all your CGI in Marvel and everything. We've seen some ropey CGI in Marvel films, but that zippity doodah, yeah, yeah, that zippity doodah was it. Just I think it is. Honestly, one of the best five minutes of film Disney have ever done, right up to today. I would like to see a better copy, though, because the one we watched um, was kind of a bit washed out. But so. there is an issue, because that, that's come that that copy that we've watched has come from the VHS release, which yeah. was the last time it was released. It's never been released on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, I will point out, it's never been released for home uh, viewing in the US, but it has in the UK. Yeah, but not since the 90s. The last issue of the VHS was 2000, limited release. Oh, really? Okay. Um, But it's never, but that was VHS. It's never been released on um, DVD. Did you enjoy watching the trailers on the, on the, at the start? Because it (laughs) it had that Fantasia trailer. Um, Yeah. The the most anticipated, the most asked for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's got that like musical sting, hasn't it? That, you know, so nostalgic. Oh, happy day. Can I just say, the animation in the Br'er Rabbit sections is incredible. It, it's some of the best, isn't it? I mean, it really is. The character animation is top draw. It's yeah. it's it's top notch. It's um, it's on a level with Bambi, but it's more cartoony, so you yeah, don't sort of yeah. see it that way. But it is brilliant it's people at the top of the game isn't it it really is absolutely yeah but there's nothing sort of particularly groundbreaking no but it's just it's just excellent by this by this point in history the disney studios know what they're doing if we talk about the live action as well it's very well shot i think they had the same cinematographer from citizen kane i believe um but it's a it's a beautiful image um they built a plant- plantation set on a sound stage in a studio but there are some outside shots the the bull in the field obviously i think is an outside mm. shot but it, it's lovely right what about music then oh i've just upped my score as we're talking about this <laughs> because i can't see I can't see a problem with any of the music. It's got some of the the best Disney songs you'll ever hear. Zippity Doodah is like it's like a top ten Disney song of all time, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it is. it's yeah, you know it's the best. It's so iconic. I actually um, we we used to sing Zippity Doodah at home as kids, like probably you did as well. Um, but we had this thing. I I thought that. Um, because my dad used to be working in toys, he used to make make wooden toys for a living, mm. and so instead of sing, singing everything is satisfactory, we used to sing everything is at his factory. <laughs> so it used to be like the, the theme <laughs> tune for my dad going to work. So he used to sing it every day when he went to work. Did he make you? He did make me. Did he wish upon a star? 
he may have wished upon a star. Mm. I, I think he may have wished more upon a star since I've been born that it never happened, but <laughs> quite possibly. His nose is growing. <laughs> I He's... Betcha by Aunt Tempe. Oh, oh. that's just gorgeous. Just, just a little couple of verses she sings as she's baking. Yeah. And so acapella nice. as well, just yeah. to herself. I mean, that's just it. But all, all the Negro spirituals and all the working songs. I know that this is one of the issues with the, the racism card, but if you just take them at face value, it's beautiful music. Yeah. Beautiful music. How do you do from... Uh, is it called How Do You Do? How do you do? We, we know that from the, the Splash Mountain ride that um, Bonnie... Which is the best Disney ride in any part. Well, Bonnie will tell us about that later, but um, mm. that was really a feature of our last uh, trip, was uh, how much we went on that ride. And it's such a long ride as well. But So you hear How Do You Do over and over again, but it's such a, it's such a quality song. It really mm. is. And then The Laughing Place as well. Pretty good show as you're born. I always think it's show as you're born, but it's not. It's, show as you're born. It's sure as you're born, which I finally figured out last time I watched it. Pretty good, sure as you're born. How do you do? Fine, how are you? It's great. It really infects you in a good way. All of all of the music is, and so underrated really, because it's so old, because it's been expunged from history slightly. You don't get it on your now Disney CDs no, and no. all that kind of thing. I'm glad the music's still out there. I'm glad Zippity Doodah's still around. I'm glad uh, How Do You Do still on Splash Mountain Ride. It's a shame you don't hear I Bet You more, though. Yeah. yeah the Laughing Place is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I want to get that one in because I think that one's my favourite. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well... I, guess... I mean, that was a quick discussion of music because we all just love it. I do, yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it, all of it. And again, I guess, you know, through this period that we've been watching... Uh, all these films recently, there's been an awful lot of music that I've not heard before. And mm. there was a lot of music in this film I've not heard before, but this is some of the best. And and like you say, it seems a real shame that that we've not seen or heard more of it. But, you know, Disney don't want to own their mistake and do something about it. Then what, what, what can we do about it? I can see why, particularly in the US. I think it could um, it could suffer more viewings over here. Um, but I do understand. Should we have a bit of scoring time then? Let's do it. Go on then, tell us about the uh, popular websites. So, IMDb, it got 7.3. Now then, here's where it gets interesting. From Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 50%. I can only think that there's a huge uh, sort of liberal bias going on there where they don't feel free to give it higher scores because I don't feel like this is a 50% film Mm -hmm. in terms of quality. The audience score, interesting, um, give it 72%. So the audience are are quite okay with it all. Audiences are stupid though, aren't they? (laughs) They'll like anything. Like Toy Story 4. So should we talk story first then? Who wants to go first to story? You. Well, I mean, I've scored it seven. I think the story's quite good. It's nice. I like the story of Johnny and all his little trials and tribulations. Uh, the Brer Rabbit things are actually... They're not that great. They're okay. Yeah. So it's kind of an average score of seven for me. It, I would agree. I gave it seven. I thought about it. And I thought the elephant that we had in the room previously before you shooed it out 
can't really be ignored so I've knocked it down to six just because there are elements of that story that ought to be tweaked um I would probably give it a seven as well but I can't overlook the the situation I think they've left it the, the longer they leave it the more of an issue it becomes and so I, mean, I find it difficult to see past it and so I'm going to be utterly brutal and all I can do is give it a one I'm afraid <gasps> Chris. Wow. So mm. I'm I'm one of those liberals who've got knocked it down to. Well, no, I mean 50, it's but. it's absolutely fine. It's a very difficult subject, and I also, like we said earlier, I don't think we three as a demographic are really able to judge it. I, I think the thing for me is I don't, I don't think it's I don't feel that it's that bad, but I, it's not my place to say whether it's that bad mm. or not. And nobody's nobody in terms of Disney are coming out and saying, look, this is let's give it some context to make it so that we can look at it in a, in a properly subjective way. So, yeah. So, I mean, the story obviously irks you. So animation? Um, I think, I, I agree with you. I think some of the animation there is, is some of the best. The characters are, are superb. I love the bit where it where it moves from, from live action into that blend. It just works so well. Um I've given it a seven. I think I possibly could give it an eight. Um, probably the reason I've bumped it down is because of the quality of the the version that we've been able to see, which is mm-hmm. not very fair, but it makes it difficult to see the true quality of what we're, what we're looking at. I give it a nine, because while it's not particularly groundbreaking, like I said before, the quality of the character animation is really top-notch. So it gets a nine. I've given it the same. I've given it a nine. It's um, unforgettable, beautiful visuals from my point of view. The only reason I really consider giving it a ten, some of the live action shots, while on the whole it's fantastic, sometimes when it cuts from studio to location, the difference in lighting, the difference in you know quality of trees doesn't always blend. I'd like to to jump in and bump mine up to an eight if I can. And my Do reason it. my reason behind this is. Um, you know, we watched the the Latin films recently, and we've seen that blend of live action and and animation, and it was all building up to this. And this is the first one of these. Well, have we have we had any others before this? I can't think. No. Um, but but this approach is something we're going to see a lot more of in the future with Mary Poppins, with Bedknobs and Broomsticks, with Pete's Dragon, and so on. Melody time. Melody and time. Echo Bills. Um, so dear to my heart, which is mm. very, very similar to this film, um, and, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it deserves more than I've given it. So yeah, I'd like to bump it up to an eight, please. Sorry, that just leaves music. Music, I oh, do you know I'm still stewing. I've given it a nine. Again, I was edging towards a ten, and then I thought we're going to review all the Disney films, and there's there's some from a musical theatre point of view that are just so powerful that while I think all the music in this is fantastic it might not stay with me emotionally the way that some of the others will but as far as quality and enjoyment of the music I'm going to give it a nine um I've given it a six I probably would have given it an eight but the reason for that is that I think it's marred a bit by its legacy I still think that as much as I love the songs there's a lot of stereotyping involved in a lot of the way that it's done and so I've marked it down because of that well I've given it a 10 I hate Stone Cold classics in there plus some lesser known songs that are just 
Great. Across the board, 10. That gives us a score of 66. Mm-hmm. Now, normally we would ask the children to make up the extra 10 to get the, the mark out of 100, but um, they didn't really want to watch this one, did they? They weren't interested. No. They were being lazy. So we've asked our neighbour, Susie Trim, who lives at 39 Disney Street, and here's what she had to say. Thank you so much for having me on 37 Disney Street. Very excited to be here. So I first saw Song of the South back in 1991 because I had it on video. And I also had the sing-along video as well. You know, the karaoke, follow the bouncing ball. And that song, everybody's got a laughing place. Oh, 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 was absolutely stuck in my head for years. I love it. I absolutely love how this movie is just so innovative for its time. Like, was it really early 40s, I think it came out, they managed to get live action and cartoons together on the same screen so seamlessly. I just think it's amazing. Like, it's still impressing me to this day, and I think that's why I still enjoy watching it so much. Yeah, okay, the kids' acting's a little bit dodgy in places, but, you know, I think that's more to do with the era in which it was filmed. It was kind of the style of the time. And the story can be a little bit slow, but... As soon as you get that cartoon moment again, it's fantastic. I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. Going to knock a couple of points off of the dodgy kid acting, but hey, it's a great movie. Thanks so much. See you later. Bye. So that gives us a grand total of 73. Very good. I, I feel like it's suffering because of me. I think that's probably a good a, a good <laughs> thing in a way, Chris, because my scores are very honest. I think Hughes were as well, and it went very high. But at the same time, I was feeling a little bit of um, white middle-class guilt for scoring <laughs> it too high. So I'm quite glad that we were able to sort of give it that bit of gravity in now, the numbers. As a as not strictly being one of the animated classics, do we add it into our table or do we not? I would like to, yes. Great, then let's do that. So this comes in just above... Uh, three Caballeros. There we are. I'm just below Dumbo. 74 for Dumbo, 72 Three Caballeros, 73 for Song of the South. Very good. But I know what you're thinking. What's the cry factor? <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. really loves it. I don't know why they just can't be together. <laughs> Hugh's cry factor. Well, it's not very high, really. There are some tender moments, like when, when Father goes away at the start, it's quite sad. And the bit when uh, he's planning his birthday and he says, will daddy be there? That's really sad. Mm. But, you know, we're talking about two teardrops out of five. What really. about when Uncle Remus looks up at the window? When he, when he comes back and he hears that he's been hit by the ball and that he's ill in bed and that he did it. Oh, it's really sad, isn't it? He just looks up at the window. Yeah. I think I missed that bit. So you know what? I'm going to give it a three. At Disney World, there's a ride called... Splash Mountain and there's Brer Bear and a bad Brer Bear bad Brer Fox Brer Rabbit and then those are the characters and I like the drop and I even like the singing it's a big big drop and when you go down it takes a picture of you and there's a big splash when you're down we all get wet even the buggy and the logs but actually, with a square in, so you can sit inside. And um, the music goes, How do you do? Pretty nice to meet you. Fine, how are you? Little bit of tra 
bubble. I liked the drop, like I said, and I liked the singing, like I said. Five out of five. Well,、uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. Um, so I guess we'll see you next time. You can't run away from trouble. There ain't no place that far. I'm Chris Fletcher. I'll be seeing ya. I'm sure I'll be back next time too. <laughs> I betcha. <you. laughs> Good night, children. <laughs>